0: Okay, you've got in front of you a couple of sheets. You've got a blue sheet. That's the one that we're going to get to today. Our topic is going to be church polity. Um, you also have maybe two white sheets or a blue. I don't know what you have. But if you happen to have one that says Norwegian immigration, and it's about five pages, turn to the last two. It's the one that says demagoguery or democracy, and it has a page 265. You may, uh, if you're towards the back, simply have the two pages that begin with page 265 at the top, and you'll need to take a look at that. Um, The other one uh, is that you might have is the one that says Augsburg Confession. I'll just briefly um, mention that uh, as we go along. But as usual, let me begin with a kind of review. We finished up or concluded the discussion of the ministry. And by that, we mean the pastoral office, we mean the office of the ministry, we mean the office of the keys, they're all referring to the same thing, that is, uh, the pastor and his duties, the things that he does. And so we saw that there were primarily three things that have been divinely given to him. Uh, he has been uh, uh, appointed by, by God, as a divine office, it's not an optional office in the church. Uh, It's one that he set up, we place a man in the office by means of a call, Uh, we've talked about examination, call, and ordination. What is he to do? He is to preach the word, he is to administer the sacraments, and the third thing that is, is included in that is to exercise the keys, that is to forgive and retain sins. We looked at the priesthood of all believers, that is, as the scriptures describe, uh, you are all priests, what is your job in the priesthood? Well, it's not that you are to be little pastors, no, you are to, in your vocation, bear witness to what you have seen and heard, what you have received in the word, and so you declare the praises of God, you make sure to put someone in the office, um, you may in fact preach, that is to your little congregation at home, granted, you may teach your children, you may talk to your neighbor, you may in emergency baptize, yes, uh, um, but we talk about there is a distinction uh, that is given in the, uh, in the scriptures. So we walked through that. We saw as we went through uh, ministry, word, and sacrament uh, by Martin Chemnitz uh, that this has well always been the uh, teaching of the church. As we move forward, I want you to take a look at the uh, page 265. Uh, this is an article. Uh, I've referred to it a Couple times in the past by uh, Lawrence Rast uh, entitled Demagoguery or Democracy. On page 265, continuing kind of a, a review, uh, we saw there that Walter picked up Vase's arguments at the Altenburg uh, debate, eventually making Vase's position his own. And as it said in the middle of that page, in the quote, In this extreme exigency, Walter made a virtue of necessity and adopted a realistic course. So, after Stephen did what he did, and after that, you know, it's an emergency, what can I do to hold people together? Well, this is what he did. He accepted the principles of church government, which his lay opponents had gathered from the writings of Luther. To these, he added, from Luther, certain provisions which safeguarded the dignity of the ministerial office. What was those? Well, there's four things listed. One is his transfer theory, the ubertragons uh, the transfer theory that the priesthood all has the office and they transfer to the pastor. We went through that. That's not right. Um... He also emphasized the doctrine of the divinity of the call, that this di- call is a divine call, it's not optional. That's true. He emphasized the absolute authority of the word of God, that is, that God's word uh, uh, trumps everything. Uh, just because the, there is a pastor and just because he's in the house of the pastor, he's not allowed to deny or, or go against God's word, add to God's word, take away from God's word. That's true. Finally, the permanence of tenure, that is, that when you call someone to the pastoral office, it is not a license for a temporary period of time. It is, it is always without a time limit. Um, so, when you call a pastor to, to be that, he is to be in that position until the Lord removes him from it. That can happen by false teaching. Which then you would remove him. It can happen by uh, immoral life, and then you would remove him from the office. It can happen by him being unable to perform the duties of that, um, and and that may remove him himself from from those things. It may also happen. I mean, there, there's other ways. It it may be that the congregation um goes away. Um, that is that that there is a. Uh, Uh, An emergency, a a hurricane wipes out the congregation, and he has no one to serve. Okay. Um, Anyway, that's true as well. Going on to page 266. Page 266, the story of the Saxon immigration, the removal of Stefan, and the development of a democratic polity. Now we're getting into what are we talking about if we're going to get into polity? We're going to get to how is the congregation and/or the Senate, the church of various parts, how is it organized? Um, He goes on to say, develops a number of applications and conclusions. In the first place, it is significant because a good deal of Missouri Senate historiography, one might say all of it, has argued that the polity that they chose, developed by our forebears, was drawn directly from Scripture and the Confessions without any intermediary. So he says, you know what? When we talk about Missouri Senate history, you know, oh, it's from the Scripture and Confessions. It, they go on to say, oh yeah, American culture had no influence on this development whatsoever. Rask realized that is not true. <laughs> he's, he's a historian. He says, the result, and, and note this, an uncritical linking of polity with ecclesiology. Ecclesiology. What does this mean? So, the way that we organize the church has now uh, being linked with the church itself. And he says, (coughs) if we don't look at this critically, if there's an uncritical linking of these things, we uh, um, we may not understand what's going on. This joining, he says, has left us open to the radical development of democratic thought in the 20th century. Now, he says... A completely different context than the one in which Walter and his colleagues found themselves, democracy in the postmodern setting, so he's talking about us today, does not carry within itself the ability to resist the will of the majority. What Alex de Tocqueville called the tyranny of the majority. So he's going to say, okay, Missouri set up a congregational polity, and I'm going to get to that really, really soon, but just kind of giving you a feel for it, and he says, so, that may have been fine during Wather's Day. It might have worked, but he says, because of our postmodern context, because of what's going on, it's causing problems, and he, he recognizes that, so here is where he gives an example. In our time, radical congregational autonomy and rampant individualism characterizes much of Missouri. Perhaps part of the reason lies in the democratic nature of our polity. Any number of congregations and pastors push the logic of democracy beyond Walther's boundaries and insist that, because Senate is only advisory body in each country, then each congregation is free. It has the right to do what is right in his own eyes. Senate then becomes a collection or an aggregation of absolutely autonomous entities. The nature of democracy is compromise. Say it again. The nature of democracy is compromise. So that introduces, that just gives you a little feel for what we're talking about uh, and why this becomes an important uh, issue. Let me move on to something, to the, to the new part of this, which is on your blue sheet. What do we mean? What are we talking about? Let's define our terms so that uh, we can uh, discuss this. Church polity refers to how a church's leadership is structured. Who leads, and how do they, and where do they, and what can they do, and what can they can't do? Primarily, you divide the polity up into three different kinds. One is episcopal polity. The word episcopi, or episcopal, is from the Greek word episcopos, which is often translated in English as bishop or overseer. Episcopal is simply a bishop. This form of church government functions with a single leader at the head. Uh, it may be called a bishop, may be called a superintendent, it may be called something else. Um, he is then placed over the other pastors, over the other congregations, um, even in a and, and so that's the way it 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 functions. Um, there is one and then there are those who is under he calls the shots Now if there is multiple congregations and if there's multiple uh, uh, pastors and all that that's what we're talking about sometimes you might say even in a independent single congregation no one else but You might say the pastor and secretaries and and whatever. Even then, even in a single congregation, you might call it an Episcopal polity if there is what is often described as a strong pastor, one who makes all the decisions. And so you would say, well, that's top down too. Um, But uh, it could be. That being said... There might be distinctions made between, not everything, but, but between spiritual things, like the word, and that might be the rites, ceremonies, so other, uh, yeah, and it might be secular concerns, like property ownership and things of that sort. All right, so it might happen. There's a lot of things. I just want to get the big picture first. Number two, Presbyterian kind of polity. The word Presbyterian is from the Greek word presbyteros, which is usually translated elder. And this is not lay elder, but as in uh, uh, pastors. Uh, in this form of government, the authority rests not with a single individual, but with a body of pastors, or the presbyters are the ones who are in charge. And so normally when we talk about this, it is not a single, but a council, a, a group of those Usually we're talking pastors. Granted, it is possible that when we speak in this way that we're talking about in congregations in which lay elders preach and do stuff and and, and all. It it may be them. Third, there is a congregational polity. Uh, In the congregational, Polity, the final authority rests with the congregation. They are the ones that decide. And because there is a large number of them, it usually is governed by a voters' assembly so that the voters themselves, and it's run by someone, but they're not calling the shots, they're simply running the meeting to find out what the congregation wants to do. This usually happens when a congregation is independent. Um and if they're in a congregational polity, they belong to a larger association. Normally this association with another congregation with a synod with something is usually of a voluntary nature and it's normally advisory. That being said, when Stefan and those came over. They left behind what was an Episcopal polity. That is, there were pastors, there were uh, superintendents and bishops who were over them, um, and and they were the ones that, that called the shots concerning things. There were a church order that said, this is what the pastors do. That was put together by the bishops and everyone followed it when they left and, and again there's some questions concerning these but primarily uh, uh, Pastor Stefan was considered the pastor or the chief pastor there were those who left their congregations Walter and all and went along with this obviously some of the people going with them on the way over they decided you know what once we get over here, we don't have all that that we had before. And so, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to uh, uh, make Stephan the bishop, and we will be the pastors, and so he will be in charge of of these things. It definitely not only was Episcopal as a regard spiritual, but as since they were also establishing a colony, and they said, you know, we had trouble in Uh, Germany. Why? Because there were secular authorities, there were rulers, there was the regular government, and they were forcing us to do things. We don't want that to happen when we get over here. We want to have a Lutheran community. And we want to make sure that it serves our purpose of having worship. So, we're going to give him, Pastor Stefan, we're going to give him the authority of to direct pretty well property ownership. The other stuff that we have, everything. Um, I didn't play you the the rest of one of the videos in which uh, Stephen his uh, once they got down to Perry County, and uh, uh, his concern was, we're going to build roads. That's what we got to have. Well, I that can be debated whether that would be the best thing other people said well don't you think we ought to build our own houses first and don't you think no I want roads and that was uh, you know but he called the shots um, so that was kind of the episcopal polity that 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 they had um, after Stephen was sent over the river there was trying to figure out, well, what are we going to do? Well, by default, they said, well, I guess us five pastors are kind of the presbytery, and we, as a group, then will make the decisions that he made individually, and we'll call the shots. Uh, In the rest of the video, there's this one where the laymen all come to them and say, "Uh, we would like you to... Uh, change the way we do things so that there is private ownership. And uh, the pastors go, Well, I don't, know, I, don't know, I don't know if we ought to change stuff. Uh, um, and the laymen get all upset. I you can know, pretty well say, Well, what? Uh-huh. Because that's what they were doing. When we finally get uh, done with the Altenberg thesis, and we get kind of, Walther convinces them that the voters' assembly, the congregation, He's going to set up things in which when they finally start grouping together congregations, and when he convinces the congregation uh, in uh, St. Louis, in Trinity, Lutheran Church there, that they are to have a congregational uh, polity. Why? Because the priesthood of believers has everything. And so they're the ones who are supposed to do it. And so that's what he sets up. And as Missouri Senate goes forward, there is this congregational polity uh, that is set up um, concerning it. Walther puts some safeguards um, in which uh, uh, the, the, pa- the, the word of God, once again, is supposed to be you know, in control and when it comes to doctrine uh, there is to be no vote in the, con- the congregation cannot vote to go against anything that is doctrinal they are to uh, maintain that kind of separation well that's the way it's kind of set up um, I'll come back to this but just so that in your mind, what about Archers? Um, well, like Missouri, we make a distinction between spiritual things like the word which has been given to the pastor, and things like secular concerns, property ownership and and, and that stuff. The pastor doesn't he, it's not given to him. He doesn't call the shots and those things. Those are given to the congregation. There are things like the issue of rites, ceremony, adiaphora. I'm going to talk about this later. It's somewhat unspecified. It usually becomes an an issue of kind of a collaborative decision. Um, That's in the congregation. However, uh, having left Missouri, become independent, and then joined an Eldona, Trinity's pastors actually belong to a larger association, which is a uh, 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 ministerial group, um, which is pastors themselves, are the only ones that actually join. The congregation doesn't actually join Eldona. The pastors do. Um, Now, in Missouri, not only the pastors are a member, but the congregation is a member, and they have both of those when it comes to Senate uh, kind of things. But here, it's simply the pastors... Uh, and the group Eldona has an Episcopal form of polity as it relates to spiritual concerns and that would include both word and opera. that is, uh, the bishop decides concerning these things um, and direct but who does he direct? Well since only the pastors are a part of it, they're the only ones that, that he really directs, um, and then the pastor then oversees his own congregation, so that just to give you a little bit of a, of, a, of a feel for that. There are historical factors which affect this. But let me make clear, when I talk about church polity, when I talk about Episcopal polity, Presbyterian polity, Congregational polity, they are adiapha. Latin word, adiaphora. What is adiaphora? Neither commanded nor forbidden. Okay, so God's word didn't say you have to have this, and it didn't say I forbid you to do this. It never said any of that. Where the word of God doesn't speak, and it is neither commanded nor forbidden, you can do it however you want. That's what we're getting at. So there's not a right and a wrong way when it comes to church polity. Um, the next thing is this. When we talk about things that are opera, neither commanded nor forbidden, <laughs> and let me give something a little more simple, and, but we'll apply it to this. Um, we have a parking lot. It was recently uh, sealed, because it's a blacktop parking lot. We sealed the parking lot. Okay. Is it (laughs) commanded that you need to have an asphalt parking lot? Can you have a, a rocked parking lot? Can you have no parking lot? Yeah, it's neither commanded nor forbidden. Um, will it increase the effectiveness of the word being preached if we have an asphalt parking lot? Yep. Will it decrease the effectiveness of my preaching with an asphalt parking lot? Okay, now, are there reasons to have one? Yep. What? what if we, you know, we got one now. What if we had a rock parking lot? The park the rock. Park. What now? The park and the rocks. <laughs> okay. Um, it's a little messier. Um, what if there's no parking lot? Parking street. To People are gonna have to walk a little further. <coughs> um, some of you park a little further. It's gonna be harder to get here if you have to park three blocks away and walk. Um, what if there's no parking lot and it gets all nutty? What if... I mean, there are things, and there are church planters that look at this and say, you need to do these things in a certain way because that's... But it, it, it may be better. And, and, and for some things, there's a lot of... You know, how are we going to do this? Um, yeah, there may be an effect, but it doesn't affect the word. It doesn't make it better or worse. Um, if we stand up for the gospel reading, or if we sit down for the gospel reading, commanded or forbidden? Nope. nope. Does it? Is it better? Well, so. what do you know I mean better? There might be reasons. What would be the reason? To help you remember the importance of what you're doing. Yeah, it definitely sets that reading apart. Yep. You know, that's what it points to. Um, we could also do something else that sets that reading apart. Right before that reading, we could blow a horn. <laughs> and then all of a sudden you'd go, well, that reading's different from the other ones because they don't <laughs> blow a horn before that reading. And that'll work! <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so it's neither, it, you know, you don't have to do it that way. Does it make it, you know, more effective? Well, no. So, so you can't, you know, kind of thing. This might has to, to be. I was just gonna say, you don't need a horn. You got a bell. There you go. Got to stand up now. Okay. So, same kind of thing. If I have an Episcopal polity, will it fix our problems? Well, <laughs> you know, if, there may be better or worse. Thanks for this. I mean, you can talk about it. This is in the realm of natural reasoning. This is in the realm of, the, you know, uh, the parking lot. Do you want to, you know, do we have people strong enough to get here? It Would it be better if we had an elevator to get people downstairs, where they can't get downstairs to hear the word of God? Is it better, you know, that they're closer? Oh yeah, we can talk about all this. Would it be better if there was, yeah, we can talk about it. But it doesn't make it better or worse as it regards to the word of God. God. It, it's kind of in line with why we sing a lot, of, a lot of the words that are in the service, because it helps you to remember the words. So you're working against human nature, which will forget things, and the same way you're working against to basically help control as much of bad human behavior as possible. Nothing controls it completely, but it's a way of organizing it that prevents some problems. Right right so if we're having a spiritual problem changing adiaphora doesn't fix it doesn't fix it you just have to yeah you have to get that done if we're talking about a natural problem human reason kind of thing it, it may fix that um okay let me give you a couple more factors and then uh uh historically the Roman church normally has a bishop polity um And over time, because they are living in so many different years, normally there is negotiations that go on with the state in order to uh, determine uh, uh, decisions and how things go. As this goes on, you know, there's not as much, but this still goes on. There are negotiations that go on with China so that they can have certain... Uh, congregations that are in China there is no negotiations there usually is something that goes with the state two at the time of the reformation the state um, uh, took control what happened well the Roman church uh, um, you know, kicked them out they left and so instead of having uh, the church and the state you know, uh, um, uh, the church taking care of things now the local state government filled the void and said, we'll step up to the plate. And so what happened at the time of, of Luther? Well, those, and he and had some very good, Frederick the Wise and some of these very good leaders, and they said, we will make sure that the monasteries are maintained and paid for. We will pay for the pastors in the churches. We will take care of these things. And then they said to the leaders of the church, and there was a, 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 a bishop order kind of thing, they said, all right, let's make sure that there are church orders or rules that are taking care of this, because if I'm paying for this, I want to make sure that they're preaching Lutheran doctrine. So go in there and take care of it. And so there are rules. Um, the, the state then took much more interest in the church at the time of the Reformation. That caused problems later. church hierarchy when they began to be corrupted and we saw by rationalism and they were running the church orders and they were doing things now what do you do well we want to have we, we don't want them to be in control because they're not preaching the along god they're not so we're going to have small conventicles of like groups when they started outlawing that and what you know that caused some problems and they definitely some of them leave Pietism, which Protestants emphasized the priesthood of all the believers, now is another historical fact where they began to say, listen, we don't want a guy who's in the orders. In fact, you know, we'd like a guy that's completely separate, has no relation. We just want to take a layman and make him our preacher. And he can say and do whatever he wants, because he's not beholden to anyone. Mm. Immigration affected this when they immigrated they physically removed themselves from the state organization and so i think once they got on the boat and got halfway over and went wait a minute the state doesn't have a part to play in this so how are we going to do this um they had one idea uh, walter had another idea um physically removed from the state organization so now we usually talk about free and voluntary one they're free from the regulations of the state But, there is also a voluntariness to the church itself. That is, it used to be, you're in Saxony, you're a member of the Saxon church. Now membership does not come with citizenship. Really. So now what happens? Well, we're so used to, you know, or you can go, no, no, that wasn't the way it is. When we talk about a parish, there was a line drawn and everybody within that line belonged to this congregation and you were a part of it now you may be more active than, than not or not active as the case may be um, but free and voluntary now changed the way we're going to organize the church the progression and the formation of congregations we saw this in America first there were congregations then there were uh, ministeriums that started to form Pennsylvania ministerium and some of these things then there were the senate and so rather than there be those sent out to uh, uh, from the top down it looks like it's going from the ground up uh, polity wise this usually involves some kind of layman organized decision making polity which resembled what we would call the reformed models of government and because these immigrations that came over were not just establishing churches, they were establishing settlements or colonies. Stephen with the Saxons, Graubau with uh, Prussia, also the Sag- Saginaw Valley, Michigan with Leah. Uh, they began to say, wait a minute, well, maybe we as the church ought to make sure that we organize the whole community in that way. And so one said, listen, if you're going to be in this Saginaw Valley community, every one of them, at the very least, has to pledge themselves to the Augsburg Confession in order to live in our community. Well, you know, that probably wouldn't go very well today. But that's the way it was going. So these were having all kinds of factors in, in that Um, I've talked about the argument that was going on between Grabau and the Missouri Senate and C.F.W. Walter. Um, as I go through some of these uh, uh, documents, this one happens to be Moving Frontiers, uh, it begins to describe uh, the differences that go on. And so it talks about Grabow and it says... Uh, that uh, Pastor J.A. A. Grabau, who had established a semi Episcopalian government similar to that envisioned by Stephan, and Grabau insisted on clergy supremacy and then goes on to talk about how, uh, and a centralized form of government in contrast to the clergy lay equality of Missouri congregational um, as I go over to page 166 it talks about how there is uh, Missouri was followed, founded upon this universal priesthood of all believers and there was a supremacy of the local congregation so who's at the top of, of the government that's set up um, congregational government yes were there an equality in which clergy and lay both had a vote and both were in the Missouri Senate and both Yeah, when it came to synodical stuff. Now, in the congregation, um, the uh, local congregation, the supremacy of the voters' meetings of the local congregation was over, uh, was over all things. When we get over to here, this idea of a, it, it was semi-episcopal. In other words, Grabau didn't run the show. He wasn't like Stefan where he had all the property and stuff like that. But there was one distinction, and there's one more thing that we need to get to. When they say clergy supremacy, I think they're overstating what what Grabau was speaking about. Um, So here's the last thing that'll figure, and then I want to start to uh, discuss what is Mm -hmm. the issue. And, And why we're... If if I, why do I want to talk about something that's adiaphora? Neither commanded nor forbidden. You kind of go, well, pastor, you know, if if, if you're the pastor and you're supposed, you ought to tell us either it's commanded or it's forbidden. If it's adiaphora, why are we even, you know, uh, going to it? I want to get to that. Well, one of the problems here is, and has been been going on for a long time, is the voters' assembly or the pastor ever supreme we're using the wrong terminology when we talk about that God is supreme and what this is is a simple matter of who has authority to make decisions on what and that's been (laughs) so we would all agree that God ought to call the shots But what if God says, it doesn't matter? Mm. Mm. So, we usually divide things up into these categories. There are scriptural truths; those things that deal with the doctrine of the word of God, a godly life, the things commanded or or forbidden. There are adiaphora. And guess what? Some of these adiaphora are not just what's the parking lot, but it might involve what kind of rites and ceremonies... Maybe the time of the service. Um, what hymnal are we going to use? What will be the pastor's salary? Um, those are all adiaphora. They're, they're neither commanded nor forbidden things. There are temporal issues in the church. This is church property, uh, ownership, um, dealing with, with uh, the property of the church. Sometimes then the temporal issues or... Uh, the community itself um, comes, comes up if we're talking about the Roman church the bishop is in charge of both the scripture and the Opera, and he owns the building and everything else in it if the local Roman Catholic church decides that they want to break away from Rome and not be Roman anymore fine But the building and everything in it goes with the bishop. It's his. You can't take the building. You can vote all you want, but you don't even really have a vote. It belongs to them. When it comes to when we're going to go, who's going to serve, what time you're going to have service whether this pastor or the pastor next, we're going to close your congregation and we're going to open another congregation. We're just tearing that building down and we're putting up a new building right here. We don't like it. No, we don't care. It's the bishop. And he makes those decisions. Yes, and they have particular laws about uh, if a local priest wants to run for public office and to do something in the state, he is forbidden from doing that, according to their own rules. They do make a distinction between these things. Next thing, what about Stefan and his immigration? When he came over and they set up this bishop thing, it was a theocratic community. And again, he was in charge of whether they were going to build roads first, whether they were going to have a congregation, who was going to live where, you know, where uh, Walter was going to preach. Yep. It involved all of those because it involved a uh, colony and and things of that sort. In Missouri, um, the pastor and the senate deal with the word of God, the godly life, the things that are commanded. When it comes to property ownership and all of those things, that's the congregation. And when it comes to adiaphora, things neither commanded or forbidden, it falls to the congregation. The voters' assembly is supreme. If the pastor says, I would like to have service this morning at 11 a.m., the voters' assembly can say that's fine and good, but we'll decide when that's going to be. Um, Pastor, do you have a word of God that says that services have to be at 11 a.m.? No, I don't. Then that falls to the congregation, and they get to decide, because that's opera. That's the way it is in Missouri. Grabau, and this was the issue that they argued about. The argument was when it comes to these uh, adiophora, these rites and is the only difference between Missouri and Graubau, uh the congregation took care of temporal things, the state did. They agreed on that. They agreed that the pastor took care of the Word of God. It was these adiophora issues that were the issue. It may be audiophora, But Gravau said, no, we're going to give that to the pastor to make those decisions, where Missouri said that the congregation was going to make those decisions. (laughs) Missouri screamed, clergy supremacy, the pastors, you know, taking over everything. Um, Gravau complained about their polity. Uh, because he said it ended up being mob rule because of the democraticness of it um, one more Leah was the other one that set things up, we're talking about Missouri and, and Leah Leia set up things the same way as, as Fraubel why? because they're following the way, I mean obviously we had the church involved before but they're following the way things happen over in Germany. And, just to give you a feel, that third sheet, some of you have it, some of you don't. But, the third sheet that goes through and talks about, what about when it comes to ceremonies and rites, do pastors have the right to do this? Well, our own Augsburg Confession does, when it comes to instituting rites and ceremonies, if they're contrary to the gospel, no, you can't do it. And continues to talk about, uh, again and again, about if it's contrary, you can't do it. But, when it gets to... Our Paragraph 53, what then are we to think of the Sunday and the like ceremonies in the house of God? What about when we say we're going to worship on Sunday? Well, it's neither command or forbidden. We could worship on Monday. But it says, to this we answer that it is lawful for vast bishops or pastors to make ordinances that things be done orderly in the church, not that thereby we should merit grace or make satisfaction for sins, or that conscience be bound to judge them necessary services, or to think that it is a sin to break them without offense to others. But they do have the right to do that if it's done for orderliness, for the sake of love and tranquility. So both Graval and Leah are following our confessions that say, yeah, they got the right to do it. Um, and so that's why they, they did that very thing. Tony? What give them the right? What did you think? What gives them the right uh, Very good. I would say that they are coming at it from a, let me just give you an analogy, they're coming at it from a father to his household kind of thing. And so, you're the father of your household, you've got three kids, you know, it's, it's It's commanded that you raise your children. Great. I'm going to do it. That they go to bed at 8 p.m. is neither commanded nor forbidden. You know, why why does Johnny get to go to bed at 9? Well, that's what his father decided. Who gets to decide that? Well, the head of the household. Um, Why? It's simply orderly love You, Someone's got to decide. And, you know, he's the head of the household. So when you go to Paul and you see this where it says, the pastor, you know, he's got to take care of his family. How can he manage the household of God? He's to be the father. He's to take care of these things. Of course, I need to make sure that the word of God is taught. I might as well be the one that says we'll do it at 1015. So that's, I think that's where they're coming from, Tony. But you're right. It's not. So the the congregation has to acquiesce to that. That's given them partial approval. So, in America, they, uh, you, you have some political thinkers uh, that would say, well, the ability to rule is only conditional upon the people allowing them to rule. So, You can make the decisions if we allow you to do that. The majority has to decide. Hmm. Um, Is that the way it works? I I don't know, you know. And some of these things, uh, um, again, with it being this adiaphora kind of stuff, uh, what does it do, it, it, uh, some things seem, Closer to the word than others do. Um, maybe the order of service. You kind of go, well, oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. But the, the the time of the. You might say, well, the time. Of, okay, you know. Um, if I say to you that having a paved parking lot, you kind of go, well, that's pretty.
1: Oh, that's
0: people got to get to church, and we've got to have closed parking, and we've got And at some point, you kind of go. You know, and if I say, listen. Um, what color is the door coming into our church? It is red. Well, it's got to be red. Why does it got to be red? Always has. Always has been red. That can be one reason. What's the other reason? Because the Reform- all Lutheran churches are red. And they have red doors. That's what that's. Go around and look. It's true. Or I might say, because of the blood of Christ, that we enter into the church through the blood of Christ, as the scriptures say, therefore the red door teaches us this scriptural principle. Does it? we know about now it, it will yeah. <laughs> Jonathan's going well yeah well, if you didn't yeah. know that <clears throat> you didn't you know first I gotta teach you know so is it you know so so d- does does that fall to me well does it could does it have to no it is the Audi opera. and how you set it up it, God never said it had to be that way there may be good reasons for it being this way um So, how do we make these decisions? Um, I'm going to step right in the middle of the mess, Right? Here's the mess. Somebody changed the tables. (laughs) So, what is it the pastor? And if it was the pastor, does he have authority? Hmm. Well, you know, um... So interesting enough, uh, um, regarding this, um, some have 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 some have spoken to me about the tables, <laughs> and I have I have not ventured into regulate this. <laughs> That's on I offer. I'm not going to regulate. You know, um, do I have opinion? Eh, not really. You didn't take it to the congregation? But, oh, so I could, and it's interesting enough, I was I was approached and I was told the majority of the people don't like it this way. <laughs> which one, implies that the majority rules when it comes to Adi Opera, which, is that the way it is? Well, I don't know. But I find it interesting that they didn't just say that, they came to me to tell me that because they want me to make the decision based upon <laughs> the majority. But have you taken a vote with know real majority? Well you know, I mean So vote, but you do that. I was also told that I need to have Name nameplate to tell you where it's at. It. <laughs> Which, you know, you kinda of go, well, it's not commanded or forbidden. But you know what? We really do like and what happens with Audiopera? Opera? We like order. Yeah but if you're spirit. Catholic you you would have paid a price to have your opera. But we like order. Right? If things are unorderly that is a problem. Right, um, that's that you know. And so, for the sake of love and tranquility and of order, we might want to make that decision. Um, I said, "Well, I've got an elders meeting tomorrow night. Hmm, is that going to work? Um, well, I don't know. But okay. So, is this a word of God issue? You know what? I didn't have to ring the bell this morning." When you sit this way, <laughs> I got your attention. It's pretty quick. I don't have to ring the bell. Now, when you're when the table's set up this other way, you know I got to wave my hands. I got to ring the bell. I got to stomp my feet. You have to yell out. Oh, no, you know. Now, on the other hand, people say, "Well, I don't have to break my neck." Other people say, "But it's not very friendly." You know, we have, friend, we have a problem with friendliness, and this would be, it would be a whole lot better if we we're a whole lot more friendly. And that's why you were talking because it's a more friendly setup. And this is not that. So, is it a matter of the Word of God, or is it not a matter of the Word of God? Is it a matter of order? Does the pastor make this decision, or does the congregation? Or you know, is this a matter of um, Tony? My family we're going on vacation. We're leaving at five a.m. You know, all the kids go crazy. You know, and you kind of go, okay, six. Yeah, you know, is is it a matter of collaboration where you kind of work together? You know, we're having prayers at seven. Yeah, okay, seven fifteen. I mean, <laughs> so. A lot of audiopera seems that it's about serving the correct purpose, which is you're here to learn God's word and to worship, et cetera. And if sitting this way helps that, then you do it that way. Whether or not people's next hurt or hurt less, like mind us. It all depends on the purpose, though. So you you have to go, okay, well, what's the the purpose? I mean, yeah, there is a sense in which, you know, the pews upstairs are kind of set up this way. You know, nobody asks, can we sit around tables upstairs and face each other, and, you know, this is a little bit different. It's a Bible study, and, you know, and so there there may be multiple... purposes, there may be goals, there may be that, there's just not a right or wrong answer. There's one other thing about all this, that you know, when you have when you have groups of people deciding stuff, nothing ever happens, and everything that ever really gets done everywhere, it includes in the church, somebody has to be the leader. Which means that when it comes to all these things, somebody somewhere has to decide oh, I'm going to say we do this. Because if you don't, it never happens. Turns out it's there. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I mean. a wrap. <laughs> I'm going back to the nature of democracy is we, I mean th- this idea of democracy, we're pretty sure that the majority, in, in America it's built into us, it is a democracy and therefore we get to decide I decide, there's individuality there is these, um, and that's what um He's talking about with uh, with this one the story uh, Look at what page. Page two two sixty let's go to seven. Two sixty seven. Oh I'm using the wrong button. How about that one? Consider the points that Wather brought to vase the uh, uh, system, uh, those designed to protect the dignity of the uh, office, and so there were uh, four things uh, that were set up. We talked about the Uber Dragon's layer, the doctrine of the divine call, the absolute authority of the Word of God, and then the permanence of, of tenure. Um, our postmodern world argues there's no absolutes whatsoever. Once that ground of authority is undermined so that the uber layer the transfer theory, ceases to be any kind of safeguard, pragmatic logic says, if we can give it, we can take it back. Who is to stop us? So finally, this permanence of tenure is compromised by uh, unbiblical removal. It goes on to say, uh, and so today, uh, ours is the day where everyone's a minister. <laughs> and you can dispose the uh, pastoral, From it, Uh, it's a day of contemporary worship. Um, Tell me, do you think contemporary worship is here because the pastors want it here, or because the people want it here? I think people do. It is a people forced upon decision. That is where it came from. Um, Now there are some now that lead it and do it, and and (coughs) great, you know, but. Primarily, it came into the Lutheran Church because the people demanded it. Um, How well is our polity serving us at this point? Congregational polity. Not particularly well, apparently. I submit, however, that the problem, he says, is not Waltherianism. It's not the fault. The fault does not lie in Walther's doctrine of church and office as it articulated in the Kierkegaard. Well, that's his opinion. I, I, I think it caused a lot of problems. The problem lies in the misinterpretation of the nature of polity. Congregational autonomy has become an excuse for a congregation or a pastor to do whatever it pleases. Uh, Senate is advisory. Some would, go to the next page, some would argue that the only solution to the challenges facing American Lutheranism and by associating the very Senate is a return to Episcopal form of church government. Such appeals miss the Lutheran point that adiaphorist political forms do not carry within themselves the ability to solve the problems facing an institution. It is true. It's adiaphora. And he's right. You're not going to solve the problem simply by having a different polity. But he does recognize, at least what others don't, further such efforts at reestablishing a hierarchy, more the simple reality that we live in a representative republic that views such polity with and at the very least suspicion. Put another way, democracy is a fact of our American existence. It's not going away soon. Democratic forms of church polity will remain. That is simply the way things are. But democratic polity, for all its obvious problems, is not evil per se. The baggage it carries because of, and in our secular postmodern culture, may make things difficult for the church. But that's the nature of the life under the cross. Whatever else we may conclude, Mundinger, and he wrote a book called uh, Government, uh, his ultimate assessment of Missouri policy is striking in its historical implications. What does Mundinger say? He says... The peculiar type of decentralized government adopted by the congregations which formed the Missouri Senate was different from any polity that had ever existed or was then <coughs> existing in Germany. Germany, or in, in the German language. Um, in other words, what they did was unlike what the church had done, you know, for 1,800 years. In other words, the polity developed by the Missouri Senate was uniquely American, something of which, he says, we need not be ashamed. The question, though, is how best can this polity serve the whole church, clergy, and laity without fitting one against another so that we may move forward into a second 150 years of faithful confession linked inseparably with a vigorous mission. Now is the time to start coming up with some answers. He says, we've got we to fix this. We've got a problem. Uh, maybe polity is not the answer. Um, I think he's right. Polity is not the answer. But... When you look at at least what we're trying to do within Eldona, we do have an Episcopal polity. Why? Not because it's the only right way. The Church confessions, our Lutheran confessions, do say that um, that's the preferred polity. It, it says we don't have to do it that way. Um, right now we've got a pope and he's doing this and they're causing, you know, telling us to do things that aren't right. Um, for that reason, we're rejecting that. But It would be fine if we had that. I mean, we wouldn't leave if everything was over. The polity is not the problem. We wish we could continue to have all of us united together under one bishop. That would be ideal. We wish we had that. And they sought to keep that. Um, We've looked at this and said, you know, after 150 years in America and the congregational polity, you know, maybe that's not the problem, but it sure didn't help. I think we're going to try something else. Let's try the preferred polity of Lutheranism and 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 see. Um, it is a modified. The bishop doesn't own our building, doesn't own our stuff. If you decide, you know, that, that no, you don't want to be served by an Aldona pastor, you don't have to be. You keep your building, you keep all your stuff. Um, back in 1988, when they formed the ELCA, and there were congregations that said, we don't want, you know, to be a part of that. Once they joined their building and all belongs to the Senate. Um, and so it, it involves a, a lot to kind of get out with that. But that's the kind of thing that, that, that we have. This is the polity. This is what they were arguing about. It is Adi opera. Um, and there's lots of room for disagreement um, uh, because there's not one purpose that goes with it. Um, We do want order, but we also have affection and love. And so often in the church, you, well, give in to those who are weaker. You give in for the sake of love uh, for those who, well, need it to be that way. Um, That's a matter of a, a, a love principle when it comes to, you know, congregational things. All right, any questions? Very very good. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you have given us your word, and to that, uh, keep us faithful in all the things that you command, and that we might not do the things which you forbid. But we ask, dear Lord, that in our lives together, that we might lead lives of love, uh, always, always, being concerned about uh, each other and 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 their life, uh, we ask it through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Uh-huh.